open them up to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, and I want to look at two verses today to begin with. I want to look at verses 7 and 8 of Proverbs chapter 3. And it says this, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, or respect the Lord, honor the Lord, and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Powerful scripture, isn't it? I mean, here we have a connection. Don't be wise in your own eyes. And then it goes on to say, basically, if you fear the Lord, guess what? It's going to be health to your physical body. See the connection? Today I want to talk about how to make wise choices that will help you to live a holy life that's pleasing to God. All right? Now, you need to understand that the word wise, when I'm talking, when I use the word wise or wisdom, uh, you need to understand that word from a spiritual and biblical perspective. To be wise means that you are making choices. You're making decisions that are in line with the Word of God. That's biblical wisdom. Anywhere in the Word of God that you see the word wise or wisdom, it's talking about being a doer of the Word. All right? And the book of Proverbs makes that very clear. And, you know, I, I think that there is a very... Uh, nasty spiritual cancer that go, that is going through the body of Christ right now as a whole, the body of Christ as a whole. Many are being wise in their own eyes and not taking the word of God for face value of what it really says. You agree with that? Now there's two kinds of wisdom, two kinds of wisdoms, I mentioned it. The first one is biblical wisdom. Then there's worldly wisdom. All right, worldly wisdom is not godly. All right, but biblical wisdom is profitable for you and I in all areas of our life. Amen. Why is that? Because you are rooting yourself in the spiritual truths of God's word, and you're allowing God's word to direct your life. Uh, You're making the word of God your moral compass. We need to make the Word of God our moral compass. Amen? But the Bible has wisdom for us on every subject, on every circumstance that we will ever encounter on this earth. It's the B-I-B-L-E. Basic instructions before leaving earth. The B-I-B-L-E. The Word of God is very practical. The Word of God is very profitable for you to obey. Amen? It'll get you a lot further ahead than cheating. Amen? So today I'm going to give you some very important questions. I want to give you some questions that we as Christians need to ask ourselves before we proceed with certain action. All right? Now, I'm not talking about minor decisions, okay? I'm not talking about minor decisions like, should I wear the Superman or Batman underwear today? (laughs) Amen? Should I wear green today or should I wear red? You know, these ten questions that I'm going to talk about today, uh, they don't apply to to decisions like that. Okay? I'm talking about 
decisions that has consequences attached to it. Amen? All right? So either for good or for evil. Say ten questions. Now, I guarantee you that if you allow these questions to be a spiritual filter for your actions, for you to judge your actions before you act on them, you will find it easy to determine what is and what is not pleasing to God. Are you breathing out there? These questions that I'm going to throw out at you that I want you to stick in your memory bank. These questions will train, will, will help to train and keep your conscience tender toward God. Tender toward His Word. Because how many of you know, the Bible says you can get a seared conscience. Meaning you, you, at first you do something wrong and you know, you're, you're pricked. Oh man, I shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have done. You do it again. Ah, you know, it's a little bit easier that time. You do it again, you do, finally, you do it so many times, there's no conviction there whatsoever. You seared your conscience. Are you hearing me? All right. So, these questions will help to keep your conscience tender toward God and His Word, and you will find yourself being more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Why? Because these questions that I'm going to throw out at you, they're scriptural. They're all based on the Word of God. All right. Are you ready for them? Number one. The first question we need to ask ourselves to be able to make wise spiritual decisions is this. Does this action that I'm about to do glorify God? What's my motive in this? All right, go to Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, verse 7. Does this action that I'm about to do, does it glorify God? What's my motive in doing this anyways? It says this, everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. See, now, to give glory to God means to exalt him. It means to lift him up for all to see in your life. By your words and by your actions. That's glorifying God. It's making him bigger in your life. For all to see. And you've got to understand this point. That we were created to bring glory to God from the very beginning of time. Say original intent. Whom I have, it says... Created for my glory. My goodness. I mean, you you just chew on that for a while, and that's amazing. It it really makes you think, man, I've been real selfish on this earth. Amen? we got to get back and and meditate on the original intent of God. And the only thing that's going to reveal the original intent of God is the Word of God. Amen? And when we choose actions that don't bring glory to Him, we have just participated in something that was never intended in the original intent of God. Think about this. 
And that action will invite a curse into your life. Now, why is that? Not because God desires us to be cursed. No, because the original intent, He created us to be blessed. Right? right? But when we step outside of the original intent and the standard set forth in the Word of God, brother, sister, you just activated the negative side of a spiritual law. How many of you know a law can work for you and a law can work against you? Amen. Uh, speeding. Uh, it works for you because it controls some jerks out there who would run into you. Amen. But it can be bad if you go over that. And you get caught. Right? <laughs> no, no, no. I was pointing to the cop over there. <laughs> oh, we got some conviction, do we, huh, Pastor Joe? Huh? <laughs> so, not that God desires us to be cursed, but like I said, you just activated the negative side of a spiritual law. All right, go to John 15, 8. And it's up to you what you decide to activate. Amen? Amen. Not God. Because if we were robots, God would just have us do the right thing all the time. Because he wants us to be blessed. Amen? Mm. All right. John 15, verse 8. Jesus said this. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit... Why? Why, Jesus? Oh, it goes on to say, so you will be my disciples. And, come on, God is glorified when you bear fruit. God is glorified when we allow the word of God to become flesh in our life. Let me say that again. God is glorified when we allow the word of God to become flesh in our life. What do I mean by that? I mean being a doer of the word. Putting the word of God into action in your life. When you do that, the Bible says God is glorified. He's exalted. He's magnified for all to see. He's lifted up. And what did Jesus say? If I be lifted up, I will what? Draw all all men to myself. See, it goes beyond you and I. We're talking about other people who are going to be affected by this. Right? Right? So, one thing that we must ask ourselves and determine is if this course of action that I want to do, will it exalt, will it glorify, and will it point people to Jesus Christ? Will these words that are about, I'm about to let fly out of my mouth, will they exalt, will they lift up, will they point people to Jesus And if not, if the answer is no, this won't glorify God, then you're out of bounds spiritually, and it's unwise, and it's spiritually lethal to go there. Amen? All right, number two. The next question we need to ask ourselves to be able to make wise spiritual decisions is this. Can this action be done in the name of Jesus? Colossians 3.17. Colossians 3.17. And it says this. 
And whatever you do in word or deed. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that's talking about every area of our life right there. Right? Word or deed. Actions. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It says do all in the name of Jesus. What does that mean? I I wish I could make it sound more theological. Um, But it means to stay within the boundaries of the word of God. All right? In other words, if Jesus wouldn't do it, if Jesus wouldn't say it, we shouldn't either as his followers. Amen? All right. Or, think of it this way. If Jesus was with you in the flesh, everywhere you go, would you feel comfortable doing that action with him right at your side? Would you be comfortable letting those words fly out of your mouth with him standing right by you? Would you watch that movie? Would you gossip about that individual? Would you cheat on your taxes when filling out that paperwork for the IRS? Oh, hello, somebody. Whoa, man. Did I say that? Woo. We're hitting close to home now, aren't we? Well, I got news for you. The Holy Spirit is with you and I as Christians all the time. All the, say all the time. The problem is this. Many Christians forget he is there with them. They lose sight of that reality for one reason or the other. And the biggest reason is they just fall into the flesh and they become spiritually dull. Their spiritual eyes become blinded. Their spiritual ears become deaf. And they just, they're in it for themselves. Are you hearing me? So... And by the way, that's called a lack of the fear of the Lord. All right? Can this action be done for the Lord? Or would, it, would Jesus approve of it? Now, look at Colossians 3. Jump down to 23 through 25. Colossians 3, 23 through 25 here. It says, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done. And there is no partiality. Now, with this scripture, immediately what jumped out at me is a workplace environment. Alright? Do you lie? Do you cheat at work? Let me ask you this. If Jesus was your customer, would you do the same to him? And if you say yes, I want to meet you over here. I want to pray the sinner's prayer with you this morning. <laughs> Amen. Because you way out of bounds now. I mean, you're just out of there. All right. You're on your way to hell. <laughs> all right. Uh, do you not do your job properly or honestly? Because your boss is an arrogant jerk? You know, hey, look, I, I, I just like to put it in just plain simple terms here, okay? I know some things aren't politically correct to talk about from the pulpit, but I'm not politically correct. Amen. Let's just get real here. How many of you know bosses can act like jerks? 
I've had a couple of them. You don't want to do anything for that jerk. Huh? Oh, come on, you liars. You just, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. My goodness, a holier than thou here or what, people? But listen to me. We need to just bypass those negative things about your boss in your thought life and know that Jesus is your boss. And you need to do it unto the Lord as he is your boss. That Jesus is watching. Just block out that guy who's being the jerk. That woman who's being a jerk at work. At times. And just do it as unto the Lord, the Bible says. Amen? I mean, that immediately jumped out with this scripture. Because, I mean, that is so crucial. You've got to remember... Everywhere we go, we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We are representatives. You're, oh, let's just put it this way. Um, as a Christian, you're in a fishbowl. You know what I mean by that? Yeah. Everyone's watching you. Yeah. I mean, it's bad being a pastor, but I'll tell you, what, every Christian's in a fishbowl. And, and the first minute you mess up, what's the first doggone thing that an unbeliever says? Hypocrite. Amen. (laughs) All right. Number three. The next question we need to ask ourselves to be able to make wise spiritual decisions is this. Will it cause a spiritually weaker brother or sister in the Lord to stumble? (laughs) Now, this is one that we really don't pay uh, enough attention to. And the Bible's very clear about this one. Go to Romans 14. Go to Romans 14. So if there's any bosses in here or watching online, be nice to your workers. Amen? Because you're going to have to give an account to Jesus on the day of judgment too. Amen? All right. Romans 14, 15 through 21. It says, Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. There there was a whole bunch of strife and divisions back in, in these days when, oh, you're not supposed to eat this, or this was offered to an idol, you can't eat this and that. So this is the context of it, all right? Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another, build up, strengthen one another. Verse 20, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. Ooh, offense is not a good thing. It is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. All right? 
Like I said earlier, your actions will not just affect you, but others around you. And when we don't take that into account, you know what that's called? Selfishness. All right? We really need to consider that before we speak or before we act. Consider who's around you. All right? Now, remember, we're supposed to lead people uh, to Jesus, not away from him. Amen? And don't give them a reason to avoid Jesus because of your foolish actions. All right? I mean, we've all done that, and it's, it's a shame. We learn from our mistakes, but that's the thing. We need to learn, and we need to do the right thing. Amen? All right? Because we are, come on, again, we are ambassadors. We are representatives for Jesus. And part of walking in love is to consider others, other people's feelings in connection with our actions. Go to 1 Corinthians 8. All right. 1 Corinthians 8. 9 through 13. But beware lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. Say stumbling block. Yeah, might not be wrong. It might be okay. might be permissible. But some things are a stumbling block to people. And we need to be conscious of, conscious of that. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge uh, eating in an idol's temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? And because of your knowledge, shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? I mean, that's literally saying your actions can cause someone to backslide totally and lose their salvation. But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Jesus takes that personally. When we gossip uh, toward, uh, against another brother or sister, when we speak bad of them, when we do something against them, did you know that you are actually coming against Jesus himself? Because we are, as Christians, we are the what? Body of Christ. It doesn't say bodies as plural. It says body one. You come against a brother and sister wrongfully, Jesus takes it personally. He said, you're coming against my body. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. Wow. The Apostle Paul was very sensitive to other people's feelings. And he realized that everything he did uh, had a consequence to it with the effectiveness of preaching the gospel. Everything he said, everything he did, he knew. Paul kept this in the back of his mind that what I'm about to do, what I'm about to say is going to affect the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Think about that. That's some pretty heavy stuff when you put it in those terms, isn't it? Now, you got to know this. Now, some people I, I know will try to take this out of bounds, and here's my disclaimer on this. The Apostle Paul never compromised the standards that are in, that are in the Word of God. I, hello, somebody. You better amen that one. The Apostle Paul never compromised 
the holy standard set forth in, in the word or, or what God required. Obviously, we know that God used the Apostle Paul to write much of the New Testament. All right. So Paul had revelation of the word. All right. But uh, he never compromised the holy standards of God. But this is the key right here. But things that were neutral in nature, he was willing to give up for the sake of the other person's spiritual health. Did you hear me, somebody? I said he was willing to give up things that were neutral in nature. He wasn't, he wasn't giving up his, his preaching on homosexuality. Come on, somebody. But things that were neutral in nature. He said, you know what? I can set that aside for the sake of my brethren in the Lord. All right? Matthew 18. Hallelujah. I mean, of course when you preach the gospel and and things like homosexuality, abortion, how these things are wrong. Of course it's going to make people stumble. I hope it makes them fall on their face and they get up serving Jesus. Hello, somebody. We need to preach the righteous standards of God. It's these neutral things that we may need to just set aside. Yeah, you might like it, but what about that brother who you're offending? Amen. Matthew 18, 1 through 6. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children. Say childlike faith. That's what Jesus is looking for. You will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself... As this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Here's the one, right? I want to point across, get across to you. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. That's pretty heavy stuff, amen? Jesus was talking about children and I also believe he was also talking about newly saved Christians or as we call them, baby Christians. Come on, somebody. That don't have a foundation, a good spiritual foundation yet. They don't have knowledge. They don't have the level of discernment. And then one of us leads them into sin. Did you follow me on that? Jesus took that very seriously. And we should too. And by the way, parents, say if you have a kid, say, that's me. No, if you have children, say, that's me. Parents, this is a strict warning to you to raise your children based on the standards found in the word of the living God. This is a huge requirement and responsibility that we need to take serious as parents. 
Amen? Because let's face it, if you're not doing that, yeah, you're leading them astray. You're leading them astray. You're leading, because like I said before, the default nature of man, thanks to Adam and Eve, the default nature of man, if you don't train your child, they're going in the way of, the, of sin, the world, and the devil. The flesh. Are you hearing me, somebody? So we have to train our children to go in the right direction. Right? Now, obviously, when they get to an age, they have, obviously they have a free will, and, and they're going to make their own decisions. But you know what? Your hands are clean because you showed them the right way. Hello, somebody. All right, number four. The next question we need to ask ourselves to be able to make wise spiritual decisions is this. Is this action, or are these words that are going to come out of my my mouth, are they spiritually profitable or helpful to me? Go to 1 Corinthians 6.12. 1 Corinthians 6.12. Are you getting anything out of this today? 1 Corinthians 6.12. And it says this, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. Or as the King James Version says, profitable. All things aren't profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power or bondage of any. See, we've got to come to a place in our Christian walk where we understand that there are some things in our life, that are not necessarily sin. They're not necessarily evil. But it is just not helpful. It is not profitable for our spiritual life. Are you hearing me? And we need to evaluate this before we pursue an action. Is this action going to bring me closer to Jesus, or is it going to be a distraction to me spiritually? Will this action create a bad habit in my life? That will drain the spiritual life out of me? Will this thing in my life eventually lead into sin, into idolatry? Hello, somebody. What? Let me give you an example. How about food? Say food. See, it's not a sin to eat cheeseburgers. It's not a sin to, uh, to drink a Coke. But it's not profitable or helpful for you to do it every day. Didn't know you were coming to health class today, huh? See, some get addicted to Coke and other drinks with caffeine and all this stuff, right? It's not, it's not, not a sin to eat a cheeseburger, drink a Coke. Are you following me, somebody? I mean, in fact, you've got to ask yourself, is this profitable? Is this helpful for me? Uh, having poor eating habits like that could cut your life short. Hello, somebody. So you've got to know that there are natural circumstances, natural consequences to our actions. Not necessarily a sin, right? You eat cheeseburgers and, and drink, drink Cokes every day. You end up uh, dying at 45 years old. You, you love the Lord. You're not going to hell. You're just getting there a lot quicker than you should have been. Are you hearing me, somebody? 
there's consequences for our actions. Right? So we need to evaluate all of the areas of our life in the light of that question. Is this profitable to me? Is this helpful to me? All right? Number five. The next question we need to ask ourselves to make wise spiritual decisions is, does this action involve wrong company which may lead me astray spiritually? Oh, man. This is a biggie. Go to 1 Corinthians 15.33. My, my, my. Cover me. I'm going in. All right. First Corinthians 15:33. It says this. Do not be deceived. Now, when the Bible says don't be deceived, obviously there's going to be a temptation to be deceived. So what's it, what's, what could we be deceived about then? Well, it says... Evil company corrupts good habits. Be very, very careful who you allow into your inner circle of life. The word of God is very clear and gives us warnings that having friendships with the wrong people will be spiritual suicide for you and for me. I mean, it is so clear. Many use this excuse. How many, how many of you ever heard this, this good one? Ready for this? But Jesus hung out with sinners. Oh, come on, somebody. Yeah, he did. That is correct. He did. But when he was with them, his motives were to lead them to himself, not to play poker and not to have a cold one in the bar. Hello, somebody. Amen. Say motives. motives. Oh my goodness, this is good preaching this morning. <laughs> See, our motive for hanging out with unbelievers should be to introduce them, lead them, show them the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. Now, I'm not talking about not being around them at work uh, or something like that. Of course, we've got, we have to be around unbelievers and around them at work and all that. But I'm, I'm going beyond the work environment. I'm going beyond the have-tos of life. Right. Are you hearing me? I'm going beyond that. I'm saying, I'm talking about people that you willingly let into your inner circle of life. Right. Friendships. Say friendships. Mm. It even goes on and talks about marriage. Don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And I'll tell you right now, there, I mean, throughout the the years that I've been doing counseling, one of the biggest epidemics, mm, and it's sad to say, is is people, uh, men or women, who married an unbeliever, and they were a believer, and they come back, they come back crying, they didn't follow the instructions in the book. The, the whole mess could have been avoided. Are you hearing me, somebody? Right. Say inner circle. Inner circle. Yeah, but Pastor James, I could change them. I can change them. You can't do that, you liar. The fact is only Jesus can. They're not going to change until they come to Jesus. Amen? 
So what you need to do is you need to just go back out there. You need to get on your face, get in the word, and seek the Lord for a mate. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm moving on. All right. Now, oh, here we go. Psalm 1-1. Go there with me. Psalm 1-1. I'm talking about making wise spiritual decisions. My, my, my. Hmm. Are you there? Psalm 1-1? Okay. It says this. Blessed is the man or the person. You feminists, don't get all ruffled because of that. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Now, I want you to notice something here. Maybe you never noticed this before. If you got a pen, you got a pencil, take it right now. I want you to notice that it separates ungodly from sinners. Did you ever notice that before? It separates ungodly and sinners. Now, what's the importance of that? The sinner is an unsaved person, a person that has not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. An ungodly person, on the other hand, is a backslidden Christian. Come on. Or a Christian that's not living according to the standards set forth in the Word of God. And the Bible here in Psalm 1-1 separates the two. (laughs) The Bible warns us to avoid both of those kinds of people. In fact, there's scripture that talks about that we need to mark people. Are you hearing me? Oh my. Not a popular subject, is it? See... There are some people in the body of Christ that are just as or are more lethal to your spiritual life than an unbeliever. Are are you hearing me, somebody? Mm -mm -mm. Be very careful who you connect yourself with. Now, what do I mean by that? Give me an example. People who cause division in the church. Right? Now, no one at RCC would do that, of course. I'm not, I'm not talking about this perfect church. <laughs> All right. But, but I'm telling you, you've got, just because someone slaps the name tag Christian on, by their fruit, you will know them. Oh, yeah. And you've got to be very, very careful who you let into your inner circle. Amen? The next question we need to ask ourselves to be able to make wise spiritual decisions is this. Does this action have the appearance of evil? Or does it make provision for the flesh? Go to 1 Thessalonians. Don't worry, I'll, I'll get you guys out of here before the Super Bowl tonight. By what, six something, all right? You, you'll, you'll, you'll get to the Super Bowl at least, all right? <clears throat> does this action have the appearance of evil or make provision for the flesh? Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5. 21 through 22 it says test all things hold fast what is good abstain from every form of evil it says we are to test all things 
If we are to run a test on certain things, what is our standard then that we judge it by? The word of God. All right. The word of God is our source, our spiritual foundation. Okay. The Bible, you could say, is our moral measuring stick. All right. So when we compare an action to the word or test that action according to the Bible, when something is confirmed to be evil, not good, bad, we are expected by God to make every effort to avoid that action. All right? All right. So, but no, the Bible does say not only are we to avoid that, but we're, we are to avoid the very appearance of evil. Say appearance. All right, number seven. Almost done. The next question we need to ask ourselves to be able to make wise spiritual decisions is this. Do you have any doubts or a lack of peace about this course of action? I mean, when you, when you think of yourself moving forward with this thing or saying this thing, do you have a check on the inside? You, you just don't have peace to move forward with this thing. Go to Colossians 3.15. Colossians 3.15, it says this, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are also called in one body, and be thankful. Let, say let, or allow the peace of God to rule in your heart. Now, what's the important thing about this? Listen to this. The Greek word that's translated rule there literally, literally means to umpire. Say umpire. Let the peace of God rule or umpire in your heart. Like it, how many of you know what an umpire is at a baseball game? Right? All right. You let the, the peace of God umpire. Let the, let the peace of God be the judge of this thing. In other words, if you have peace about a certain action after weighing it out with the word, then move forward with it. It's safe. Are you hearing me, somebody? If you don't have peace on the inside of you, don't move forward with that action. That course of action, the umpire said, it's out of there. It's either going to be safe or out of there. The peace of God's the umpire. Say umpire. Uh, Someone once said, I think maybe Jan said this to me before. I think Keith Moore said she heard it. If it's not quite, it's not right. Well, I want it to be right, but I still have this nagging feeling on the inside of me. Ah, if it's not quite, it's not right. Don't move forward, because that is the Holy Ghost on the inside of you saying, uh-uh, uh-uh, don't, don't, don't do it. Consequences, say consequences. Oh, my. Now, The disclaimer for this point is this. For you to trust your heart and conscience, you must be in the Word of God. You must be in the Word of God. Are you hearing me? Because if you're trying to do that with a seared conscience, yeah, I'll take a whiskey. Hello, somebody. Oh, I got total peace about it, Pastor James. Total peace. Amen? Amen? You've got to be in the Word of God to train your conscience. That's right. Good word. To m- keep it tender. 
That's the disclaimer. Say disclaimer. Number eight. The next question we need to ask ourselves to make wise spiritual decisions. Primarily, this one is for the kids and for teenagers. All right? Unless you're a, you're a mama's boy or a mama's girl. But <laughs> just, all right. Would your parents understand this action to be honoring to them? Uh, you know, I mean, I guess you could, even as an adult, you could go there. Because how many of you know, it don't matter how old you are, they're still your parents. Amen? All right? So, and, and uh, some of the kids here are saying, well, how do I find that out? Go ahead and ask them. Ask the parents. Mom, Dad, I think I want to drink at that party. Is that honoring to you? What? Hello, somebody. <laughs> Amen? Ephesians 6. Go there. <laughs> now, Ephesians 6, 2 and 3. My scriptural backing for this one is this. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. What's the promise? That you may be well, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. People, this is talking about life and death here. Life, say life and death. This is serious stuff. Amen? I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, youth, kids, you are expected by God to honor the boundaries that your parents set for you. Yeah, 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 I'm all talking to you. All right? I mean, some of us have learned the hard way. And when we try, I know, I've been there. You know, when I was younger, people, you know, my age now, tried to tell me, you know, you just brush it off. Oh, yeah, 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 you don't know me, you know. I mean, when you're a kid, when you're a teenager, you think you're a know-it-all. You're not. All right? You're not. And you need to pay attention to what your parents are teaching you. All right? All right. No. And those boundaries, parents, should be in line with the Word of God. Because how many of you know, I mean, uh, sad to say, but there are some parents out there that will just let their kids do anything. Right? I mean, it, it just, I mean, some of the parents go to the parties with the kids these days. I, you, you wouldn't believe the stories that you hear, for crying out loud. My goodness. All right? And as some of those are the ones who end up in jail, too. Amen? Number nine. The next question we need to ask ourselves to be able to make wise spiritual decisions is this. Is this something that you would like to reap in the life of your children? Is this course of action... These words that I'm letting come out of my mouth. Is this something that I would love to reap and see manifest in my children's life? Galatians 6. Go there with me. I got a lot of oohs and ahs on that one. I'm telling you what. I'm telling you these questions. I mean, if, if we look these over. I mean, write them down and look them over. Just when you wake up in the morning, just... Kind of just refresh your memory. If we go through these filters here, I'm telling you, they're pretty sobering. Galatians 6, 7 through 8. It says this, Do not be deceived. 
Again, the Bible says don't be deceived. So if it's telling us that, obviously there's a temptation to be deceived about this one thing. What is it then? Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh or sinful desires will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit or obedience to the Word of God, be led by the Holy Spirit, will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. All right? So the Bible's very clear whatever you sow, you will reap. Um, in fact, who you are today is what you sowed yesterday in the past. Are you hearing me? And by the way, that reaping can take place in future generations. Um, King David knew a little something about that. His wrong actions that he did, a prophecy came and said, the sword will never leave your house. And you go and you read about King David's life and Absalom and his children and, and the chaos that came into the family because of the wrong choices that King David made. Can someone say generational curse? And that's a whole other sermon, which I will get into in the near future. How many of you would like to find out more about generational curses? All right. Now, the good news is, if there's generational curses, there's generational blessings. So, like I said, it's a spiritual law. It just all depends what one are you going to activate. Amen? What are you going to sell? What are you going to sell? All right, so keep that in mind. Let that run through. Is this something I'd like to manifest in my children's life uh, or grandchildren at that? All right, and my last point, say he's almost done. (laughs) Quit smiling about that. My goodness, how rude. All right, number 10. The next question we need to ask ourselves to be able to make wise spiritual decisions is this. And I'll tell you right now, if this won't move you, If this won't move you, nothing will. Are you willing to face it, face this thing in judgment before God on judgment day? If that spiritual reality don't slap you in the face, then I preached in vain today to you. Go to 2 Corinthians 5. Now, I mean, listen to me. I got more oohs and ahs out of the children thing more than the judgment thing with God. Hello? We just need to take our spiritual temperature, RCC, and those watching online. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. It says this, For we must all, say all, appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That each one may receive of the things done in the body, your actions, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. See, one day, you and I are going to stand face to face with God and give an account for every action, for every word that comes out of our mouths. Now, when that fact becomes a reality on the inside of you, that will cause you and I to think twice before we act. 
It'll cause us to think twice before we let those hurtful words come out of our mouths. Amen? So I want to encourage you to search the Word of God. Think twice before you act. Count the cost for you and those that are in your life that will be affected by your words, affected by your actions. Knowing that every action, every word spoken out of your mouth, come on, is being written down, is being documented in the courtroom of heaven right now. Did you know that? Every action, every word is being documented right now in heaven. So let's act in a way that will please our Heavenly Father, that will bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ, and that will lead others to Him to be saved for eternity. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up in this place. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Jesus. Now, maybe there's someone in here today. You have never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Or maybe you thought you did. But you don't have any confidence that if you died right now, you have no clue if you're taking the elevator up to heaven or the elevator down to hell. And if that's you, you have doubts about your salvation or you just flat out know, I have rejected Christ. But today, I want to make Him Lord of my life. Today, I want to rededicate to Him. If that's you, I want you to come by this drum set. And I want to pray with you personally today. To make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Amen? I'll meet you over there in a moment. Now maybe there's someone here. You're born again, you love the Lord, but you never received the Holy Spirit baptism, you feel like the Christian life is boring, brother, sister, you haven't even entered in. You need the Holy Ghost baptism. You need to receive power, say power, to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, Acts 1-8. If you want to receive the Holy Spirit baptism or just learn more about the experience, meet me up there by the drum set. Maybe you need a physical healing. Maybe you need an emotional healing. That's you, I want you to come up. But you know what? Right now, I want to open up the altar. Just for those of you who heard this message and you took it seriously today. And you really are going to start thinking twice before you speak. You're going to be thinking twice before you act. And you're going to run through the filter of God's word. If if that's you, just come down and worship the Lord down here and seek him. Amen.
since you felt like you were loved, so what went wrong? But do you know there's a place where you belong here in my arms? When you feel like you're alone in your sadness, and it seems like no Right. What has been wrong? 
wrong It's time to find my way to where I belong There's a wave that's crashing over me And all I can do is surrender Whatever you're doing inside of me It feels like chaos Somehow there's peace And it's hard to surrender To what I can't see at home sick today so stretch your hands to that camera right now well we're gonna flush this thing out amen in the name of Jesus I command every infirmity to come out of Kevin's body right now I command his immune system every organ to be healed I command charity's body to be healed right now in the name of Jesus that cold I command that cold to leave in Jesus name and don't return Hallelujah. We pray for Gary right now. Gary needs some encouragement and some strength. In the name of Jesus, Gary, I just loose the healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ through you. And any form of rejection that you have gone through in life that has been affecting you even to this day. Lord, mend that brokenness. Mend that broken heart. And Lord God, I pray that any spiritual blinders upon him would fall off. And that he would see himself through the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So I command right now that spirit of depression, that spirit of suicide, go in Jesus' name right now. Hallelujah. We pray for Terry right now. I command his lungs to be healed. I command his stomach to be healed. Lord, let your anointing fall upon him right now. In the name of Jesus, I speak strength. I speak healing. I speak blessing to Terry and his physical well-being right now in Jesus' name. We pray for another Gary right now who has some drug issues. And so, Lord, I just pray right now that the spirit of addiction would come out of him in the name of Jesus. That you would open up doors of help for him in the natural too, Father. Open up doors, Lord. Provision. Provision. Say provision, everyone. Provision for Gary to go. And get restored in the Lord. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. We pray for a Kate. A Kate. Uh, someone wants us to pray that Kate would return to the Lord. Father, we lift Kate up to you right now. And Lord, I pray that you would just let divine appointments come to pass for Kate. That Lord God, that people would come. 
Lord, from the north, south, east, and the west to Kate, who will speak your word to her, who will plant the word, who will water the word. And God, we just pray for that increase in Kate's life, that she would become born again, that she would become so on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, touch her. Touch her now with your love in Jesus' name. My, my, my. Jenny and Roy, let's see. Oh my, yes. Uh, Jenny and Roy, they had a, a three-year-old baby who died. And, uh, and so let's pray for the Father in the name of Jesus. Lord, you are the comforter. And, and Lord, I mean, in the natural, this, this is heavy. This is heavy. But Father God, I just pray that you would surround Jenny and Roy right now with your, your comfort. Your peace that passes all understanding. Right now, God, just move wherever they're at. Let your Holy Spirit fall upon them and provide every provision that they need. Every provision, Lord. In the name of Jesus, my goodness. Lord, do it. Um, Anne. Anne needs prayer because uh, she has deep depression. So right now, Anne, we just lift you up. We hold your arms up right now in the name of Jesus. And I command that depression, that heaviness, that suicidal spirit to go in Jesus' name. And I plead the blood of Jesus over Anne right now. And we enforce the benefits of the gospel through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we say, Holy Ghost, fall on Anne right now. Fall on her. Fall on her in Jesus' name. And boy, Natalie, Natalie, she, she wants a sound mind. Father, you have not given Natalie the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. So I command that spirit of fear that's latched onto Natalie's mind to come out of her now. Devil, you loose her, you let her go. In the name of Jesus, Lord, send people. I, for some reason, I just feel like, Natalie, there's people in your life that shouldn't be. That's bringing this into your life. So, Lord, I pray you would bring people into her life right now who will be a good influence to her. In the name of Jesus. We pray for wisdom for you, Natalie. We pray for discernment for you to know who to let into your inner circle and who to kick out. Amen. <coughs> uh, <clears throat> New Zealand. Oh, my, my, my. New Zealand is hungry for the power of God. They want revival. In the name of Jesus, God send a great awakening to New Zealand. Great awakening. Holy Spirit, light fires, light fires all over New Zealand. That the power of God would be manifest. Miracles, signs, and wonders to point to Jesus. That multitudes would be saved. That that whole region would be saved. Amen? Hallelujah. And send laborers into New Zealand. Hallelujah. All right, yes. Someone wants to be anonymous? This individual is moving back to Michigan to start a discipleship program in the Pontiac area down by Detroit. So, Lord, I just pray for the anointing to minister. I pray for the provision. God, where that person's at right now in the United States, Holy Ghost, fall on them. And I pray that every gift, anything they need to operate in this office that you have called them to, Lord, let it fall on them. Let the giftings become so manifest, so evident, and give them wisdom. Give this person wisdom how to operate in the gifts. 
and the calling that you have called them to. How many of you know wisdom's important for that? Amen? And um, there's an individual who wants us to pray for his wife, um, Riz. She's a student at a university, and there's a lot of pressure building up. How many college students we have in here? How many of you know there's a lot of pressure in that? So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift up Riz to you. And we say, burden, you come off. Holy Ghost, fall. Burden, come off. Holy Ghost, fall. So, Father God, give her strength. Give her wisdom, Lord, how to manage her time wisely. And Lord, I just pray that Riz would become so on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that Jesus would be at the center, the very center of her life. And everything else would bloom from that in Jesus' name. We got something else here. Thank you, sir. Hallelujah. Our sound guys, our media team is so awesome. Amen. Uh, Pray for Bob. He is seeing his attorney tomorrow. Um... Uh, that well Lord give Bob wisdom whatever this situation is I don't know what it is you do father so give wisdom to Bob how to proceed in this that he will stay in line with your perfect plan your perfect will for his life whatever this may be um, and that he, Bob will be healed that he will experience God's love um, and that he would learn to trust and obey father I pray that you would take Bob's hand that you would lead him and guide him That any areas of his life, Lord, where his heart is broken, I just pray that healing, healing would flow and that the brokenness in his heart, whatever has happened in his life, would be healed, would be mended, and that he would be made whole, body, soul, and spirit. And everyone said, amen, hallelujah. I want to thank everyone for watching online. You guys are a blessing. Come back next week, same place, same station. And remember, obey the word of God. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Go ahead. No, no problem. This is uh, for a good reason. Last week I gave a testimony and um, I have another one, of course. God is doing such really great things in my life. Um, I was really nervous about uh, some things that were going on at my second job, my nights and weekends job I was we really I really need it right now that's why I have it um otherwise I'd have a lot more family time anyway I was really nervous I was making some mistakes and I got called into the office yesterday and I just thought for sure I was going to get fired and actually it was uh she was doing her annual reviews early and she complimented me on some of the growth that I've made since last year and I got a raise and I'm just really happy wow that's great (laughs) amen amen Thank you for everybody for praying for, for me and for my family. Yeah, God's got your back. Amen. Hallelujah. Did you have anybody else have anything they want to share quickly here before we release? You come on up here, Roger. Hallelujah. What an awesome anointing in here today. Amen. Um, most of you probably you don't know me yet, but you will. <laughs> um, <laughs> There was a time in my life when, when the business that we had built fell apart and my wife, who's my ex-wife now, took the kids and left. And I'd been a Christian for like 15 years by then. And my legs just stopped walking. I just, I couldn't feel my legs. And I knew I could get past the business thing. I'd just build another one. And I knew I could get, I thought I could get past the whole divorce thing. 
thought I could handle that, um, but I, my leg's not working. I'd been seeing doctors, um, five different doctors, and they all said, there's nothing wrong with me, it was all in my head, and that sort of mm. thing. And anyway, it went on for a long time, and I couldn't walk. I was just laying on the floor and reading the scriptures, and, and God um, sent a pastor to me, and he stuck his finger in my face, and he said, this is not God's will for your life. Amen. You need to make some decisions, <clears throat> and the first thing you need to do is get clean, whatever's in your life. Get clean, and he kind of you know, he just left. There wasn't much anybody could do, and um, so I asked God, "What? What?" Because I thought I was clean. I thought everything was cool between me and God. I thought I had a great thing going. Anyway, he said, "You think more about your feelings and emotions than you think about me." You always put them first as, instead of me. And I, well, first he said, you're serving other gods. And I said, I am not. If I'm serving other gods, who would they be? I don't, you know, I was sure of it. I was filled with confidence that I was serving the Lord and him alone. And that's when he said, you think more about your own feelings and emotions. Well, I didn't have any idea how to let God into that area of my life. And so I, I said to him, I just, I, I just surrender. But the feelings of depression and the feelings of suicide and all that would still come at me. And one night I was just laying there on the floor. And this whole thing about dying, just just. End it. Forget it. You know, you can't even walk anymore. And um, it, it seemed like God and I were arguing about that. And so I opened my heart. I just said, um, do you see, Lord, this, this depression? Do you see these feelings? And he said, yes. Invite me in there. So I said, okay, Lord, please come in. Come into that area of my life. And he did. I mean, and I felt like he grabbed a hold of me and lifted me out of a place, and he set me like on the side of a mountain in my life. And to even ever go back there, I'd have to climb down. I'd have to make a, a powerful effort to get back to what he lifted me out of. And so if, if you're thinking that there are areas of your life that God doesn't know about, he knows about them. And, and it's up to us to make an effort to get him in there. And don't think that he doesn't know how to get into your feelings and how, how, to, how to teach you, how to handle your emotions. He knows. He knows he'll change you. I mean, I'll never forget that day. It took me to a whole... I've been a Christian for years, like 15, 20 years before that happened. And the doctors told me, that I might as well get a wheelchair. And they gave me like a quart-sized bottle of pain pills. And they said, when the pain gets too bad, take these pills, get a good chair, you're going to be in it the rest of your days. Well, do you see a chair? Yeah. 
Thank you, Lord. God, God will lift you out of it. He, he will. He's, he's more real than your real than the life that you see you're living. Amen. Amen. That's why the doctors are just practicing medicine. Amen. We got, amen. Uh oh. What's he got? Uh, last Sunday, uh, Pastor Joe and I, we prayed uh, about my financial situation. Um, being on medical leave unpaid for the last six months, uh, needless to say, has been a tremendous struggle for my family. So we, we've been praying, my wife and I, about what can we do. And some doors were open for us. Um, when a person in your family, and this goes out to anybody who may be dealing with somebody who has a family member who is, has been diagnosed with a terminal Ill, illness like I have, um, insurance companies have what they call a accelerated benefit. And the financial strains that, that Joyce and I have been going through and everything else, with the accelerated benefit that we will be receiving on my life insurance, um, it's going to be absolutely astounding how life-changing that this is going to be. Um, yes, uh, praise God, by all means. I don't know, I, I had never heard of this. I had never seen anybody that had heard of this. But her HR department actually called her and talked to her about it and doing it out of her insurance policy with her. Mine, I, I can't do an accelerated on just due to the fact I hadn't been there a full year until April 1st. I haven't been covered a full year. So we've, we've done all the paperwork and, and everything else, and, and we've, we've gotten a, a bridge loan uh, from the bank on the fact that these benefits are coming in. Uh, instead of our cars getting repossessed and everything else they're up to date they're completely caught up and uh there there's so much more uh coming as soon as uh, you know it, it life-changing life-changing and uh it, it's just a blessing and 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 y'all needed to know about the accelerated life benefits if you have a family member that has been diagnosed as I have with a terminal illness, by all means, look in, and they need help financially, look into something like this because it can, it can change your lives. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sir. That is the provision of God. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thank you guys for coming. Wednesday, we're, we started uh, John Bevere Drawing Near. We're doing Drawing Near again. So that's what we're going to do uh, this Wednesday. If not, we'll see you Sunday. And uh, go Arizona Cardinals. Amen. The underdog. Love it. All right. God bless you. It feels like I have lost this fight. They've been